Okay, uh, here we go. Um, welcome, everybody. This week, uh, Peter and I are going to do 2006's uh, Children of Men by Alfonso Cuaron. Welcome, Peter. Welcome. Um, uh, another lighthearted, um, light motif. This is a this is a really relaxing one. I think <laughs> I would say good to just kind of like, kick back with after a tough day. <laughs> it's like a it's like a nice scotch or a or a massage, <laughs> right? Or uh, a broken bottle smashed over your head and then ground into your eyes. <laughs> I think I rather would have done that in hindsight. <laughs> I actually what a grim um, picture. You know, it wasn't fun. And I had a, I couldn't watch it in one shot, and I can watch almost anything in one shot, and I couldn't watch it in one shot, and I had to stop it twice. But I, you know, I have, I have been thinking about it nonstop, so it's, it's definitely effective in its own way. Like I've literally all day today, I was thinking about it and asking people at work if they had seen it. Um, Has anybody seen it? Yeah, a lot of people had. A lot of people had. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very well known sci fi film. Although it's hard to even call it sci fi, but I guess it technically is. Um, do you want to I give a, that it's a brief, sci-fi film? Do you want to give it a brief summary? Yes, it's a dystopian future in 2027, <clears throat> and for the last 18 years, women have been infertile and unable to have children, which has resulted in basically total chaos in every nook and cranny of society, which they beat you over the head with every four seconds of the movie. Um, so uh, in this dystopian world, um, Clive Owen plays a, uh, bureaucrat and he ends up, uh, Theo Farron is his name, right? He ends up hooking up with his ex-wife. He hasn't seen in in 20 years and she works in some crazy resistance cell organization and he ends up taking the only pregnant woman who's been around for 18 years to try to get to refuge for her. Right. And along the way, he basically discovers his humanity. Sort of. And there's sort of like Jesus references. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, And there's a lot of shooting and a lot of dirt and a lot of bare feet. um, And a lot of um, a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs in this movie. Um, right. and the a dogs in the shooting were the good parts. <laughs> I like the way he didn't Everything have shoes. Else. Like for almost the whole movie, he doesn't have a pair of shoes and he's constantly hurting his feet, which I thought was a great bit. Right. Um, so, you know, <laughs> we, we did a podcast on uh, Quaron's Gravity, which is the only other film of his I had seen except for Ichumama Tambien. He did a Harry Potter movie, which I have not seen. Have you seen his Harry Potter movie? No, I think I've only seen the first one. Um, yeah, I only saw the first one, too, but I think I was just too old for it. Um, and did you know this is based on a P.E. <laughs> James novel? Did you know that? <laughs> Not until I was reading about it. Yeah, but and apparently in the P.D. James novel, it's actually the men who are infertile. The um, brief, what, briefly, what I read about the book, the book looks way better. Hmm. But you never know until you read it. Yeah, you don't know. Um, and the movie is essentially 
you know, one long chase, like one long uninterrupted chase. Once basically, once Theo gets roped in by the fishes uh, to sort of take care of the pregnant woman, Key, I think is her name. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. then it's just sort of a breakneck run, you know, from one bad situation to another worse situation. Um, and you sort of have this sense that anybody can be killed at any time for any possible reason. Right. Um, and, you know, like, it's kind of, it's hard to ignore the technical accomplishment of this movie. Like, you're very, very aware of the camera work. Like, the camera work is amazing. Um, yes. And, you know, there's several very, very long uh, uninterrupted sequences, some of which were actually smaller shots CGI'd together, I found that after the fact. But when you're watching it, it's absolutely, you know, invisible that some of those long, long scenes are stitched together. But, like, for example, the scene where they're in the car and the, when the Julianne Moore character, uh, Julian Taylor, gets killed, that's one long scene. And it's just sort of a harrowing chase where they're being chased by people on motorcycles and on foot and burning objects are being hurled in their way. Um, and then sort of the, the other big, big, big moving scene is where he's running through the refugee camp at the end, trying to get to key Clive Owen. Right. That was, I mean, I it's mean, an amazing, it's really good. That's the best scene in the movie. I think I agree. Although um, anytime that he's running in there, there's a firefight. Um, your the movie is, is good because then you know there's going to be really good camera work and they also they spent a lot of money on sets it looks good it's filmed um, in london mostly right but they but they spent they spent cash um and the cameras the camera is impressive i mean the the um even there there's this really cool little shot where it's during that whole chase at the end when he's running through that insane refugee camp and he jumps on this bus and there's a bunch of innocent people killed as he runs on there and as he's targeted and fired upon. And there's this like splatter of blood onto the camera lens while he's running through on this one shot. And it's just, it's that whole sequence is really good. It feels, it feels headlong and breakneck. So I read that Quaron wanted to throw that shot out because of the blood on the lens. And the I think it was the cinematographer basically had to convince him, no, 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 leave that in. Yeah, that was a great little bit. That, that um, was a great, that whole sequence was really well done. I just yeah, can't and, and again, stand like, the, I can't stand the writing. I can't stand the story. It's well, kind of like, I kind of felt like there, I kind of felt like I liked Theo and I liked Key and everybody else in the movie I hated. Um, and and I wanted to like Michael Caine and I kind of didn't. Like his sort of like hippie shtick, which he, he apparently based off of his relationship with John Lennon. Like he was basically acting like he remembered John Lennon, who I guess he knew personally. Hmm. Um, but like I felt like there were big chunks of the movie where it just sort of ground to a halt. Like when they're, when they're in that house where they have to escape from, there's a sort of a long 15, 20 minute scene where they're in the house and they have to steal a car that seemed to go on forever. Um, the whole beginning of the movie until he's on the run is crappy, except for the one scene where he goes to visit his cousin and he's got Guernica like behind his dining room table. And uh, that was and the sort floating of pig and the floating pig out the window. Yeah, he's got a and he's got uh, Michelangelo's David with a uh, 
with the one leg propped up because <laughs> it's missing right. a and leg. And it's sort of implied that this is the real one. Yes. Yeah, it definitely implies that. he has that. somehow rescued these pieces of art from the end of the world. Right. Because Britain's you know, supposed to be one of the only places with any civilization left. However, the civilization that's there is incredibly brutal. And on the way down. Right. You know, it's funny because it reminded me in some ways of uh, some of the scenes in Clockwork Orange where, uh, like, for example, you see Alex walking to his municipal flat block and it's sort of all smashed and graffitied and broken down. And then I found that afterwards, after I read it, sorry, after I saw it, I read that he specifically had some of the imagery from Clockwork Orange in mind when he made it. So it's not a surprise that it sort of called it to mind. Right. Except in Clockwork Orange, the movie is horrifying and he's not trying to beat you over the head the whole way. I mean, that movie. And in Clockwork Orange, you only see a little bit of the world. Very you know what I'm little. I'm saying like most of the movie takes place indoors, whereas, you know, there's just a few, there's a handful of outdoor scenes to give you a sense of the world that they're living in. Um, well, most of the movie takes place sort of in between Alex's ears in that movie, in the, the Clockwork Orange, in a way. Whereas, right, whereas this movie takes place almost entirely sort of on the run, in cars, on foot, you know, uh, right. even when they're in buildings, they're not in buildings for long, just sort of trying to get to the next place. Um, we haven't done best scene, best shot, best line in a long time. I think we both agree that the last chase was the best scene. I thought the best line in the movie was at the end when they're in the rowboat. Like after like this sort of harrowing 20 minutes of running around the city, when they finally get to where it's quiet, he looks at Keen, he goes, what a day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Cause that's what a real person would have said. Yeah. You know, when he gets shot, you know, Theo gets shot, and I actually saw him get shot, and then I kept wondering, like, whoa, 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 he got shot. You right. know, like, he keeps running and going and going and going, and then I was like, he got hit. Like, how are they going to get around that? And then it was interesting that they brought it back at the end that they don't get around it. Like, he did get shot, and there's debate online about whether he's dead or not. I mean, to me, it certainly seemed like Theo dies at the end. Right. But they, I guess it's sort of like another, the end of the Nick. Well, I guess, but I think, <laughs> I think that this is less definite. Uh, it's funny because to me, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess you could look at it either way. Maybe the people on the ship rescued him the tomorrow, but uh, I don't know. I mean, he had a, a, an abdominal wound and there's blood all over the boat and he's shown in several scenes, not moving at all. So I don't right. know. I interpret it as he died. You think he's he might have lived, or I think he probably died. But I really getting didn't ready care. for the sequel. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like I was actually, like I was kind of sad that that Theo bought it. But I guess they kind of it wouldn't be realistic if if like you know a guy like him ran through you know all these incredible firefights and came away unscathed except for the scratches on the bottom of his feet. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I can't believe you you didn't dislike it as much as I did. I'm I, you amazed. Know, again, I I didn't. It's it's like it's it wasn't fun. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to say that I disliked it. Like it was not fun. It was not at all what I was expecting. Um, mm -hmm. and for some reason I thought Nicole Kidman was in it, so I kind of kept waiting for Nicole Kidman to show, and she never did. Um, oh, you didn't watch past the end credits then? <laughs> they had the, the the extra bonus scene. Um, <laughs> and again, like. 
like when it was done, like when I was done watching it, I was relieved. Like, whoo, you know, I kind of, kind of like Me got up too. from the TV and took a break, <laughs> you know, sort of like drank a glass of milk, had some vanilla ice cream, you know, uh, smelled yeah. the flowers in the yard. But, uh, but I, I'm telling you all day today, I thought all about it. I gotta imagery, say, it felt like, I don't know, to me, it felt like a science fiction movie made by somebody who doesn't know anything about science fiction. Uh, it's well, sort of like, it's a it's a one one drum. I, I could never really buy it. It just did not feel authentic somehow. I, I it, it worked way too hard. And, you know, he there's some quote from him about how he talks about how he doesn't like movies that are, that, that explain too much. And yet, that's what he's doing. It's so pre. It's it's so one note. It's so constantly preaching about how bad things are, and it's because people have no hope. Um, I well, think hope that, is kind of the. Th- I guess hope is kind of the theme of the whole movie. Sure, uh, obviously. I mean, that's it's like you know, like I just I did not. I just didn't. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy that the war that. That's the only reason the world was dystopian, and so I sort of was I, I was always removed from the movie. Yeah, I kind of, of I kind of don't mind the fact that they didn't give you a lot of backstory. Like you don't know why the infertility came. You don't really know exactly how the infertility is tied into society falling. Like you're just supposed to sort of assume that it has. Um, and I was actually okay with that. And I kind of feel like maybe they're better off not telling it because the exposition of that would just be tedious or somehow political. And it's better just not really, it's just not, it's better to not really say it. I think I just didn't I read, buy the device. I, read that, I don't know. I read that Quaron was very, very interested in this project, which apparently had been bouncing around Hollywood for many years. And then he, after he made Itumama Tambien, he didn't really have the, clouded Hollywood to make this. But after the Harry Potter movie, they basically said, you can do what you want. So he went ahead and he made this. Hmm. Um, and apparently they looked at Russell, Clo- Russell Crowe, Matt Damon, and George Clooney were all considered for the lead. And then they ended up giving it to uh, Clive Owen because he was sort of coming off... 2004's Closer, which I guess he was sort of a hot property back in 04. He looks much, much younger here than he does in The Nick, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he's about 10 years younger, I guess, when he made it. Did you ever see Croupier with Clive Owen? Yes, but back when it came out, it's been yeah, a long so, time. Yeah, so I mean, that's a very, very young Clive Owen. I mean, what year is Croupier? Croupier is a long, long time Late ago. Late 90s, probably. Uh, Croupier is 1997, so you know, fully 10 years before this. Um, but I don't know. He, you know, he does kind of hold the movie. I mean, he's kind of an atypical person for an action vehicle, but he does kind of hold the movie. And he is in. I don't know if you noticed this. He is in virtually every single scene. Like he's I almost think he was never. Good. What? I think he was really good. Yeah, no, yeah, he's good. He, but it's interesting. He, I mean, really like. Good. You could see like the weight of picking him. Like if they pick the wrong person, there's no movie. Like with the exception of a handful of scenes of the Michael Caine character, um, he is in every single shot and every single scene of this movie. Like you're basically watching Clive Owen for an hour and 49 minutes. Hmm. Um, 
Well, <clears throat> didn't they? Uh, didn't they? Weren't they thinking about Rob Schneider initially? <laughs> I think. I think that he was in the running for a while. Right, and that that or, that or Owen Wilson. <laughs> well, why don't you? What do you? Why don't you just have your baby here? <laughs> Great, it'd be awesome. Come on. <laughs> Are you pregnant? Are you not? No, no. Clive Owen, Owen Wilson. <laughs> you know, it's not that big a jump. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm getting over a bad cold. Um, you know what I thought reminded me a little bit of Psycho was the fact that they killed Julianne Moore off, which I did not yes, see I coming. Like that too. You know, you think yes, she's going to be a good. big, big character. And then she's killed off about a you know a little bit more, a little less than a third of the way through. Sort of again reminded me of Marion Crane from uh, Psycho, getting killed off you know early. And then the whole movie shifts focus because you think you know they're they're passing the ping pong ball. Um, right, you think them. they're going to get back together, right? And they're having fun, and they're maybe they'll maybe sort of somehow by helping um, helping Key have her baby, they'll sort of get over the loss of their own kid, and then yep. boom, she's dead, and she's dead in a really really brutal way, and like her blood gets spattered all over Clive Owen. Yes, you know that was so, a that was a good move. Well, and in the way that then you know Psycho shifts to focusing on, um, uh. Anthony, um, who plays who plays um, the main character on uh, Psycho? Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Perkins, right? Whereas the movie focuses shifts to Anthony Perkins. This shifts to focusing on you know Clive Owen's Theo to almost to the exclusion of any other character. Like you don't really get to know Key at all. You know, no. she's kind of like sort of like she's supposed to be so young and you know she's so, an innocent. Yeah, like right. and she's sort of being. You know, everyone is looking to her to somehow use her for their own purposes, you know, be it political right. or social or whatever, or religious even. Everyone is evil until they see the baby at the end, and then they just part ways and drop to their knees. Although, you know, that's, but the best thing about that scene is not that they all sort of stop the fighting and sort of drop, lower their arms and sort of like pay homage to the baby and touch the baby's feet. You know, when the bullets start flying, they all turn away from the baby and get back to the war. Like, that's how that scene ends, as they're all shooting again, right. and then they're back running away. Like, you know, like, the, the baby was powerful, but only so powerful in the face of oncoming bullets. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it made me want to read about it. It actually made me want to read the book. Uh, like, I was actually thinking I would download the book on the Kindle tonight. Um, I'm sort of curious how it goes in the book, but I don't, I agree with you. It's, it's not a fun movie, you know? And like, I really enjoyed, for example, natural born killers. Um, mm -hmm. and I remember seeing that with people who, who, when we walked out, they were like, that was, you know, the most painful two hours of my life. But like, I enjoyed natural born killers and like, I didn't enjoy this, but like, I, people I spoke to like had very positive vibes about this. And some a lot of people I knew walked out of this and really liked it. So I guess it just depends on sort of how it strikes you. No, I love the technical aspects. I just, I couldn't buy, I, I think if you replaced the moralizing with a story that was maybe a little less heavy handed, like maybe just kind of a, just kind of a post-apocalyptic story and almost like, Maybe a little more the postman and a little less um, Sunday school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you mean a little less you preachy? Know, was, well, I mean, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of um, there's a lot of preachiness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of post 9-11 imagery. I don't know. Did you see the Abu Ghraib guy? Um, you know, that famous image of the hooded man at Abu Ghraib standing yeah. on the box. Like there was a guy made to look exactly like him in one of the scenes in the background of the, in the immigrants and, you know, like. Right. And there was a lot right, of Holocaust right. imagery of people in cages. Tons. They had they even had a woman speaking German in the cage, sort of like, you know, yep. the Holocaust uh, idea back on itself. Um, right. I mean, every time they did something like that, it was so, uh, I just made me cringe. Well, it took you out of the movie because it was like they were hitting you over the head. Right. And it was so consistent. You know, <clears throat> it was, it was like, you know, they're on the run and they're doing well. And then they end up in that school and the the woman that, who was like a midwife or whatever, who is traveling with them, um, starts talking about how women started having stillbirths or whatever. And she starts moralizing about that in the middle of their chase. Right. And it's sure. like, you know, wh- why do that? Why? Yeah. Maybe they couldn't, Not help. Maybe they couldn't help themselves. Um, did you know that the baby was CGI? I read that, but I, that's unbelievable. Well, you know, it was funny because I, mean, I was watching the baby close and I actually thought it was a, like a super detailed puppet. And yeah, I uh, figured it would be a doll. They had made a puppet, but I guess it, they didn't think it looked too good. Um, so they replaced it with a CGI baby. But that is one damn good looking CGI baby. <laughs> I got to say, well, how many CGI babies have you seen? <laughs> well, I'll tell you where we needed a CGI baby and didn't have one is, have you seen American Sniper? Yes, but I don't. There is uh, a scene in American Sniper where um, the main character, the Chris Kyle character, is holding his baby. And it is such an obvious doll. Like, it, like it doesn't look in any way, shape, or form like a real baby. It looks like the plastic baby that, you know, they give five-year-olds to play with. And like, I remember like, I remember like when I saw the movie, I was like, hmm, he's holding a doll, you know, like we're supposed to think it's a baby, but it's a doll. And then like almost every movie review I read mentioned the scene where he's holding a doll. So they could have used a little bit of CGI baby in American Sniper. But on the other hand, to me, you know, you have too much budget when you're spending like $400,000 to CGI a baby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, but they probably figured, you know, like, how could they have a baby running around in this set, you know, where she's in the wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they could have they could have barred a baby and done a couple of shots and kept it covered up the rest of the time. Maybe. The, the movie just kind of barely broke It probably would have been cheaper. It probably would have been cheaper to, like, hire a surrogate mom. And have, and have her have actually a, have a baby. Have, a, have an actual baby just for a scene, <laughs> like, for, for two days of shooting with a couple of shots. Apparently, when she has the baby, her legs are prosthetics. Another sign that you have way too much budget. <laughs> making prosthetic legs for a birth scene. Um, they just barely broke even. They... Uh, they well they didn't they kind of didn't really they I guess they cost seventy six million to make and it made seventy million although I think this movie had more of a life after it was done like apparently it sort of came and went from the theaters and didn't make a big splash and I guess they had big Oscar hopes for it that weren't realized but uh, 
but um I don't know. Like, like, like I said, when you read about this movie online, people love it. And I'm telling you, when I mentioned it to people at work that I saw it, people were shocked that somebody like me who sort of eats, drinks, and sleeps movies all the time had yet to see this movie. And almost everybody I met, uh, talked to at work about it today had a very, very good memory of it. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, any other thoughts? Anything else you want to cover? Uh, I'm looking forward to the sequel. <laughs> In the sequel, they just—it's entirely CGI, and it's about the baby. It's a spinoff. <laughs> it's just the baby dancing. Remember the dancing baby? <laughs> I think the baby becomes a—he leads a breakdancing revolution for the dystopian. I'm going to say something I didn't think I was going to say, but I think I'm going to watch it again. Uh, kind of now that I—it's growing on. Well, you. again, it wasn't fun, but like. You know, there's enough in it. Like, at least I want to watch some of the long, continuous shots or some of the key scenes. I'll skip Michael Caine giving his wife the suicide pill. Um, although I did like when he said, pull my finger. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> actually, when he gets shot, that's kind of a good scene. That's pretty That's, that's Michael Caine's uh, best moment in the movie. Because, you know, <laughs> he's also already decided to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's killed the dog. Right. He's killed the wife. Like, he knows time's up. Time's up. Right. And he's defiant and it sort of looks, it looks very good. It's not his actual, when they, when they actually start shooting at him. Right. And they shoot his finger off. It's unpleasant. Yeah. It's unpleasant and graceless. Yeah. And he just goes, and he goes down hard. By the way, did you notice that this was a Christmas release in the USA? December 25th of 06. <laughs> good timing. I know. The baby <laughs> being born in the manger, essentially, and saving the world. It's tight. Plus, it's cheery. It's like, you know, you're bringing some t- eggnog and good cheer <laughs> to your neighbors going to see this movie. Right. I mean, bring some fucking mistletoe. <laughs> they had the missile, all right. Uh, I like, by the way, I like oh, when man. the tanks rumbled down the street. You know, that's when you knew, like, the thing was escalating when tanks started showing up. I was wondering, you know, I guess it yep. wasn't filmed, but it also didn't, didn't remind you, um, I know we're wrapping up, but didn't it also remind you a little bit of sort of like the Becton Gas Works where Kubrick filmed Full Metal Jacket? Sort of like the idea that the city had been so completely shot to pieces that it's barely even a city anymore. It reminded me a lot of that, yeah. too. I guess it was a different place entirely, yeah. but it reminded me very much of the Becton Gas Works. It looks, it was just, it was burned yeah. out. And, I mean, they did it. They did a nice job set dressing and. Yeah, they they spent their money. Whoever you know, uh, whoever was they the did. set designer, I, I don't know. I, it did it win anything? I know it made a ton of top ten lists, but did it win any Academy Awards? I bet it didn't. I bet it didn't. Um, but you know, it's funny. But if you look at, for example, like the reviews from most, you know, Roger Ebert or the New York Times or you know Onions AV Club, like the the reviews are very very positive. I don't know. Like again, I'm it's sort of growing on me in a weird way. Sort of like you said, I, I think I'm going to go back and at least watch parts of it. Um, yeah, I only want to see those those couple of action sequences. <sighs> All right, man. Should we wrap? Anything else you want to say? Yeah. No. All right. So again, just to the audience, if you're looking for a nice, lighthearted, you know. <laughs> just Rom-com. watch it at Christmas time. <laughs> right. The David Schwimmer cameo was great, by the way. He was really funny. <laughs> Julia Roberts playing herself. <laughs> All right, man. Till next time. All right. Good night. Good night.